1: Welcome to the inspirational, informational, and transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Today we have with us a guest who's been on the show in the past and has been a prolific writer of aviation books and manuals. That's Chris Pazala. Chris is an airline pilot, aviation attorney, and writer who has numerous degrees and is currently seeking a master's in aviation law. As we heard in the last episode, aviation journalism is both challenging and rewarding. Our guest Chris focuses primarily on informational books. And manuals. He also produces a video from one of his books called The Advanced Guide to Holding Patterns, which you can find in our courses pages or click on the link below in the show notes. But before we introduce Chris, we have a few announcements. First of all, aviationcareerspodcast.com, you can find the scholarships guide, career coaching, and various online courses like we talked about with the advanced holding patterns. Don't forget to try to use the coupon Pay It Forward. Uh, it's all one word Pay It Forward. Through the generosity of others, you may receive a free scholarships guide. And if you want to make a difference in someone's life by giving away a free scholarships guide, please visit the Pay It Forward tab and listen to the short video on how you can make someone achieve their goals, and you can help them out tremendously. For as little as $10, you can help make a huge impact on someone's life by purchasing a year access to the scholarships guide online. If you want to purchase a pay-it-forward coupon and give the gift of a scholarships guide to a specific person, that's really easy. Just simply purchase the pay-it-forward coupon and then write us an email right away at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. And we'll set up a specific coupon for that person so they can go on and actually get the free scholarships guide. Oh, and the uh, August scholarships guides are, are available. Um, and in August, there were 25 new scholarships and 25 updates and uh, Alicia is doing a great job our new scholarships coordinator on updating the scholarships guide we have many more coming we're adding a a few more as a matter of fact a new category for a lot of our our Australian and also Canadian scholarships so we're focusing a little bit more on those countries and also uh, Mexico so you'll see more in the future and, uh, and we keep adding to it. And uh, for only $10, you get a one-year access there. Also, I want to thank Michael for paying it forward by purchasing a scholarships guide for someone else to fulfill their dream. And, uh, and of course, if you want to be mentioned in the podcast about the scholarships guide as far as the pay-it-forward or you want to buy one uh, for somebody, we'll, uh, we'll mention their name as far as the pay-it-forward uh, campaign is concerned. Well, anyway, let's get on with the show with Chris Pazala. Uh, Chris, like I said, is a prolific writer, uh, and he has a new book out. But first, let's get to know Chris again. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Hey, Carl, going well. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know, uh, one of the things that we were just doing is hanging out at the hangar with an airplane uh, that we're going to see in in, uh, in a lot of pictures in the manual we're about to talk about. But first, let's talk a little bit about uh, flying. Um, so let's talk about your background. I know you're someone who's been passionate about aviation.
0: Uh, I really have. Um, you know, I grew up, uh, traveling and, and, uh, being on airliners and I really fell in love with airliners. Uh, there's a story when I was a small child, uh, one week I was flying on an airplane and I'm standing in the terminal looking at the plane. My parents go, okay, we're going to go down the jet bridge now. And the jet bridge had a couple extra turns and I didn't think we were actually going to the airplane. And I remember actually throwing a temper tantrum. Because I didn't think we were getting on an airplane.
1: Wow. Even at that young of an age, he's throwing a temper tantrum. Still does, too.
0: Yeah. If I don't get to fly, you, you know, that's going to happen.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you've been flying for quite some time and decided to actually get into it uh, as a pilot. Um, I know a lot of parents are already reticent to let their, my parents were, about uh, letting us go up and fly in airplanes. And, you know, although they're proud of our achievements, it's uh, they get a little nervous. So how did you uh, sell your parents on this, and, and what age was that?
0: Uh, so that, uh, that took a few years, but uh, by the time I was 12, I knew that's what I really wanted to do, and um, I knew my parents were skeptical about the statistics and safety, and so, um, you know, being the ingenuous person I am, I thought, okay, I went to the FAA's website, and I pulled down a bunch of statistics and put them into Microsoft PowerPoint and actually made a presentation. So how old were you when you did this? Uh, I was
1: 12, so... 12, a new PowerPoint, Okay. Uh,
0: yeah, so up to that point, I just I had uh, Microsoft Office growing up, fortunately. I played with it. This is the first time I actually got to use it for something practical. Uh, it did wonders for my uh, skills. It did not do wonders for selling my parents on the idea as much as they loved the presentation.
1: So in doing this, though, you actually were able to finally get to meet some people, too, and to do while you were doing your research, and some pretty important people in the aviation world. Um, yeah, so uh, at
0: that point in time... Um, I was actually, I met a couple of instructors and, um, you know, my father uh, coming out of a technical background himself said, all right, if you're really serious about this, we're going to go get you some flying manuals. And you, if you actually want to read them, you, you know, you can learn to fly from the books and we'll get you lessons when you get older. He thought he was bluffing.
1: I called that bluff. <laughs> and that was a very, very young age. As a matter of fact, one of the things that you went ahead and did is, is joining an important organization at a very young age.
0: So um, so I did. So I joined actually two organizations uh, when I was 13 years old. Uh, first was the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Um, I joined mainly to get the magazine, which at the time was uh, you know, a great way for me to get uh, into aviation and get familiar. Uh, so there were just a lot of great articles. Still are. Um, I also joined Civil Air Patrol. I know you've got some listeners who are involved with Civil Air Patrol. So that was another really great way of getting involved. And so finally, um, after, you know, years of studying, my parents finally said, all right, he's serious. We're going to have to buy flying lessons. And so when I was uh, 15, 15, 16, we finally started really looking at it seriously.
1: And then you found a school and uh, you were able to start lessons. And uh, are you one of those people that soloed at 16? Uh, I am on the day, actually. On the day. of, That's pretty cool. Did, did your parents come out?
0: Uh, I did, and so that, that was a wonderful time. Um, my parents came out, and they said, do you want anything special? And I said, well, you know, we don't really own a video camera, but if we could get one and videotape, this would be great. And so my parents got a video camera, and they also, at my request, uh, collected my grandmother from Ohio and brought her at the time we were in Michigan. And so we're all standing at the Ann Arbor, Michigan airport, and, you know, here's, here's my father, and he's watching me fly, and He thinks this is great. Here's my instructor. He's very happy. My grandma was there. She's really excited. And here's my mother standing there very nervously shaking, going, is it okay? Is it okay? And <laughs> so that was really, really a, a great experience but to have the whole family there and to be able to to do that.
1: Yeah, that's really cool if you're able to have the family and everybody show up. I think it's the neatest thing when we get to watch that. Some of us, uh, like me, I kind of soloed at an airport and uh, we I was kind of alone with my instructor at this little bitty airport, but... Uh, being able to call my parents after theirs was really cool. And, and you'll never forget the day you solo. Now, I, I remember the wheels coming off the ground, and I get to
0: about four feet in the air, and it, it occurs to me, if I'm going to land, I'm going to have to do it myself.
1: <laughs> and and you did, and you finally went on to do more than just land once. You, you've landed quite a few times. Uh, quite a few, and the planes are still reusable, so that's and, that's a good sign. And that And that is the important point. What, and so you progressed through some of your ratings, but even when you were younger, you got to meet some of the people that are really important in life, you know?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, one of the, uh, one of the days later on, I was working on my instrument rating. I was about 17 at the time. And I remember being in California. Uh, we're back in California at this point, And I, I come out to the ramp and there's a strange individual with a camera who's photographing things. And, and I don't recognize him at first. And it's, and I'm thinking, okay, that's, uh, that's kind of suspicious. So my instructor comes up and I said, do you see this guy with the camera? And the instructor goes, oh, yeah, that's Rod. He's an author.
1: And that Rod has a last name. His name is Rod Machado. And uh, of course, we all know about his guides and some terrific guys. He's very, very funny. I mean, one of my favorite aviation humorists, and he's uh, he actually is one of the people I listened to quite a bit when I got started. And I uh, loved back then we had tapes, you know, and we listened to tapes, and uh, and I would listen to him in the car and stuff like that. Really got me motivated to fly. I think he must have done that for you too.
0: Uh, he did actually. Um, I read a lot of his articles uh, with AOPA back in the late '90s and early 2000s uh, so I, I learned quite a bit. I really loved his uh, writing style. Uh, he did some very smart things. For instance, I read his series on autopilots, and he did the series in reverse from everything from how you disable it to how you program it to finally how you turn it on. That way, uh, somebody wouldn't be able to get partway into the uh, learning curve and get stuck.
1: Right. That's smart. And yeah, he's a, he's a great author and really is a great teacher, too. Did that uh, that person, Rod Machado, is is that one of the people that, Really spurred you to get into writing?
0: You know, I, I really appreciated his writing, um, but at the time, I never saw myself as a writer. Um, in high school and even into college, I think like a lot of folks who are technically minded, uh, my writing wasn't that great. I didn't, I didn't have the inspiration for it. I didn't have the love. Uh, and I didn't really have the writing skills at that time to, to do anything at a professional level. So I would never really considered it. And it would be several years later before uh, that would happen.
1: So what's interesting, we're talking about writing, and we talked about it in the last episode. Um, one of the things I think a lot of people don't realize is you can actually make some money writing. Uh, in general, you make more money writing. And, and what do I mean by that? If, if you're good at writing, it can ex- excel and, and place you higher in a lot of the different organizations, airlines, uh, or other organizations in general. You need to be able to re- write, you know, you need to be able to read, you need to be able to speak to get ahead in life in general. Writing is is an incredibly important tool. But to, to do this, it's just like flying an airplane, though. You have to practice. Uh, you do. You have to practice, and,
0: and like flying an airplane, you also really have to want to do it. And so as I entered uh, sort of my early 20s and graduated from college, I started to realize I need to fix this. I need to be able to write if I'm going to do an MBA program If I'm going to do anything in the future that's other than just fly an airplane. And so I said, all right, well, it's like anything, you know, you gotta go try to find a resource. And I thought, all right, I need a book, and I need a book for somebody as dumb as me. (laughs) So then I thought, I've got it. Here it is, the and I can't make this up. This is English Grammar for Dummies. It's one of the big yellow books you see at the bookstore. It's a great book. Fantastic book. So You know, I bought this book, and a lot of people think, oh, it's remedial, you're going backwards. No, actually, this was a great book. Um, It really explained the differences in a lot of the nuances of English language. And so it allowed me to really um, not only get to where I wanted to be, but to go much further and to really start to analyze writing. And so that book, believe it or not, was a night and day difference for me.
1: And a lot of people, we look at these and say, you know, English grammar for dummies, one of the for dummies books. I'm not sure I want to want to read something like that. But, but in reality, they're they're a great way to start. They're also a great way to move forward into a, a much higher level of writing. It, it really was. It, it really addressed all the issues I had. Like, for instance,
0: in the English language, we have three words that are pronounced there with three different meanings. And uh, the same thing with the word two. We've got three different words that are pronounced two. One's a number. One's a... Uh, preposition and one it means uh, two is in excess and so I really did not understand some of these differences and uh, the book just did an amazing job of of not um, demeaning me anyway but just you know being able to explain yeah here's how these different things work and you know that really was enough to get me going in the
1: direction I needed to go. And using this book, you know, we, you, it placed you forward in some other programs. Like MBAs. I guess, is one that, that you need I did. to write a lot for, which amazingly enough, I didn't realize.
0: Uh, some MBA programs you do, I uh, actually went, to, uh, went back to Embry-Riddle in person to do their uh, master's in business. Ended up specializing in airport management. So if I ever need to you know, run an airport, I'm good to go. And uh, that program did have some writing in it. So it made it uh, so much easier to do that. Uh, and one of the reasons I was doing the MBA program is I was considering going to law school, and I thought an MBA would give me a chance to learn the study habits and to improve my writing, which I knew would absolutely be necessary going into law school later.
1: Right. And that, that sure did help out. But uh, during this whole process, you actually started writing another project on the side, and um, and that was actually, I think, the Holding Patterns book, right? Right. So uh, what
0: ends up happening is I'm working on this MBA. The airline I'm working for goes bankrupt. They offer a pretty good leave program, so I take this leave, finish the program, do a little bit of flight instructing, and while I'm flight instructing, I notice that a lot of the instructors are not doing a great job of teaching holding patterns. Not only are they not teaching it, they're providing wrong information, and so I started asking questions, you know, hey, you know, how does this work, or where do you learn this? And I tracked a lot of it back to misinformation from earlier instructors, and I realized that a lot of what we do is hand me down. Information and that there wasn't a good reference. And I said, it'd be really cool to, to write a book about this. I don't have time for this. But, uh, you know, but it's a cool idea. Fast forward a couple months later, I'm getting ready to go to law school, and I've got a couple weeks off during the summer. And, you know, I think a normal person would have gone to the beach or, you know, gone on vacation, right? No, no, I had, I had just moved into my new apartment in the Tampa area, and I didn't, didn't have a, internet, didn't have cable, didn't have a girlfriend, got really bored and said, I'm going to write this book.
1: So that's what you did in two weeks. I did. I did the,
0: the bulk of it in two weeks, and then I did about two weeks of sort of clean up and finish up work on it. And I'd say I put in during the main weeks uh, about five to six hours a day, which is about as much energy and attention as I could put into this. Uh, and I'd break it up with trips to the beach or the Starbucks. Um, i didn't have internet so i had to go to the starbucks to download resources or make updates to it
1: <laughs> well it, and it's funny because I, I always wondered why she so took such a an exciting topic and, and turned it into a book uh and and holding patterns i know is something that's really important to all of us because, especially with flying because it's one it's a great tool it's an incredible tool but really it dives really deeply into holding patterns which i really like and by the way, if you're listening to this, you can actually watch a video uh, on Advanced Holding Patterns, which uh, we produced here, and uh, there's actually a free preview of that course. The course, by the way, is uh, $29.95, and it allows you access to that. And, and you can actually, uh, we'll go through all the whole book, basically, but as a presentation. I think it's like the safety presentation that you
0: did. Right. It's the it's the one hour, con- hits the highlights. Um, the book obviously has a lot more nuance, so... Uh, it really depends on how much time you have, um, and and whether or not you need an FDA-approved sleeping aid.
1: <laughs> well, but I, I tell you, it's good. I mean, it's good information, and I and and that's what's really really important. Um, but as going back to the book, and that that's something I think a lot of people are interested in here, as far as aviation writing is, um, whether what were some of the challenges you possibly had during writing this? So um, this was uh, my first real
0: attempt at writing any kind of a book or technical manual, and. I wrote it on this topic because it was a topic that I thought I knew a lot about. Keyword being thought, and when you start to write a book and you start to write down everything you know about topic, you realize how little you know about it, and so uh, that was a big challenge: was to make sure I had all the information. So I was going through, of course, the FAR aim, looking for information. I went through uh, Rod's books. I went through the Jeppesen series, the um, FAA books, looked through a lot of, and I was really depressing how little information was in some of these books rod's books were really good um but the faa book really you know two pages for holding that just didn't seem
1: like no definitely not and what's important too with holding i found especially teaching it or using it at work is having a lot of practical examples you know and i think that's that's key especially with this book
0: Right, and so um, well, the first thing I did was, um, it's it's a hand-me-down knowledge kind of thing. So I actually did a survey of flight instructors, and Embry-Riddle helped me out. They sent that to their instructors, and I got a, a very large number of responses, and they had all kinds of great comments and helpful notes. And then I took that when I had wrote the book, and then I uh, really built in the example section. The th- a third of the book, the middle third, is nothing but examples, and there are notes that help you contrast um, each one. And so that was, uh, I think, the most helpful part is to be able to look at these different things. So if you're having trouble with a particular type of hold, you could flip to that page and say, "Okay, what's special about this one? What one am I looking for?"
1: So again, that's that's one thing that I think is important in any guide is that uh, if I'm looking for information on one thing, I don't have to read the whole book. I can still get some understanding by just checking out that one section. Which, by the way, on that. That uh, course that was on the videos, same kind of thing. You, know, you can actually go and just, just watch the one. Say you want to know about entry procedures, you go watch the video about entry procedures. I think that's really cool. Uh, and by the way, again, if you want to find that, it's on com. Just click on the courses. Um, so, so after you know, writing this book and all the challenges, uh, you also had to get it published. So h- how did you actually get it out there? So uh, the first thing I did was, I think,
0: like a lot of new authors, I went to a number of publishing companies read their guidelines, filled out summaries, sent submissions. Uh, And like most new writers, I got nothing back.
1: Normally you don't get anything back when you go to a publishing company. It's so much easier to do it yourself. And, um, you know, everything, you know, it's funny because I I listened to some advice years ago and just my, as far as my writing is concerned, yes, uh, I I actually did everything myself and articles, whatever, because you're going to get a lot of rejections. Right. There was a lot of rejection. Uh,
0: Only one company was even polite enough to send me a rejection. Uh, and, of course, it, it was from a British publishing company, so it came back in very proper, polite English. <laughs> uh, they were very, very nice. Uh, but uh, ultimately, um, got a lot of declines. I, I even went to uh, Jeppesen, and they were very polite. And they said, well, you know, we're really doing this in-house now. Uh, but, you know, we appreciate the submission. So I said, all right, um, I'll go ahead and self-publish. And that's what I did. I went through Amazon self-publishing, uh, which is really a great, easy-to-use program. And that uh, the nice thing about it is they... Print each book on uh, some type of a printer that allows them to do graphics, not just text. So it allowed me to build the book with uh, text and images that intermingled, and that allowed for a much, much more useful guide.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so, yeah, and they can find that by the way. They'll have it in the show notes as far as where they can find the guide, a- along with the online course. Um, so from that point, you went on to actually start some online writing. And that was a, a website called Seeking Alpha, I think it was. Yeah, and uh, and I actually I have BlackBerry to thank for this, and I think that's
0: the only thing I am going to thank BlackBerry for. But uh, for those of you who might remember, BlackBerry, which started out as Research in Motion, was a large uh, company, and I bought some stock in them in two thousand eleven. Um, yeah, yeah. from the story, you are going to guess which direction this went. So, <laughs> so anyways, I bought some stock in this company and stick to uh, writing. Yeah, and so, yeah, I really should stuck to the writing, and and the company wasn't doing as well as I would have liked, so I was following them, and one of the sites I was following was SeekingAlpha.com. They have articles, and, um, you know, I remember uh, on a couple of the articles at the bottom, they had a note that said, if you'd like to write for us, submit here. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool. I guess I never really thought of myself in that form. So I sort of read through the guidelines, and it was, well, send a submission. If we like it, we'll publish it. So I did, in fact. I sent them an article on United Airlines, And they sent back a note saying, uh, we like the content, we have a couple changes, send it back. So I did. And on the second try, they accepted it and actually uh, paid me a small sum of money for that article. And I thought, I got something here.
1: Yeah, and especially on uh, a website such as Seeking Alpha, I mean, they have, uh, what was it, millions of registered users. They
0: do. They've had millions of users. They track hundreds of stocks. Um, Obviously, they've got a little more followership on bigger things like Caterpillar or
1: Boeing. Uh, but they've got a very good following in the aviation world as well. Yeah, uh, they sure do. There's a lot of good good stuff out there under Seeking Alpha. So, in writing for uh, Seeking Alpha, um, you know, you, you did that. Get out, got out to the financial markets, but, but during this process, you were doing something else, right? You were. Yeah, up. I
0: was losing money on the BlackBerry stock. Yeah, <laughs>
1: other than losing money, uh, you you wound up finishing up the the, the degree, I so, think it was um, the MBA so, or something. Uh, so at
0: that point, I was I was working on the law degree. Um, I actually submitted my first article from a study abroad pro- program in London. So, you know, doing a lot of things at once. But I did finish the law degree, uh, joined the Florida Bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I took the bar exam, or as I like to say, the summer I lost. because <laughs> it takes an entire summer to study for a bar exam.
1: So now you have this under your belt, and now we're thinking about moving on to another book. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but as and, and then some advice to people who are thinking about getting into the publishing so you have an idea in your head that you think uh, somebody might be able to use you know that's basically how we get started with these things when I started the website Expert Avia it was like I thought there was stuff people wanted to use and that's really what you're doing if you have something like the holding patterns whatever and you provide somebody with something that they actually can use in life uh, you're much better off uh, I know writing fiction and all can be fine but non nonfiction's I, I feel a really good way to go and I, I hopefully you would agree with that Well, you know they they say write what you know, and uh, you know what
0: I know is in the technical realm. So I thought that's where I'm going to be most helpful. And you know, back with the holding book, a lot of people say, well, why this topic? And I say, well, one, I know it, and two, it hasn't been written on a lot. And so that's one of the things I'm looking for is I don't want to write a new private pilot manual. There's plenty of great ones out there that I learned on, and they're available now. So I'm looking for you know what are we missing? What do we want to make available?
1: Right. So now, moving on to this, uh, you have a new book that's come out, and uh, it's actually something I helped out with. So, so I have a little bit of experience with this one. So, both for you know the people who are thinking about doing the, the authorship, but also for people thinking about possibly learning more about airports, uh, this new book is a pilot's guide. It's actually the pilot's guide to U.S. airport operations. And uh, so let's let's kind of go through that process. I mean, what what made you want to come up with this guide? So uh, this idea came about when I
0: was studying in Australia during law school, and I, I remember I was sitting on a commercial airliner in Australia, and I'm looking at these tax signs, I'm thinking, you know, it'd be really cool if there was a reference, not just the aim, but some kind of a reference with good pictures where you could figure out what all these signs are. And initially, I thought of it as sort of an international thing, and then I thought, well, maybe I'll start with the U.S. version, and we'll you know, take a look at doing international a little bit down the road. And so th- this idea sort of molds in my mind. I'm like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a book. And so I said, OK, well, if I want to do a book on airports and I want to have airport signs and markings, I'm going to need photos. So I'm thinking, how am I going to get photos? And so I call up the, the Lakeland airport. And uh, actually, I think I sent them an email initially. And I talked to them by phone. And I told them what I wanted to do. And I, I figured they were just going to say no and go away. And, and that wasn't the response at all. They were absolutely wonderful.
1: Yeah, and and that's really neat that they opened up to do that. It's like one of my favorite airports. And by the way, I'm a tenant at the airport, so it's a plug for Lakeland, of course, where Sun and Fun is, et cetera. But it was really cool, because then you actually got other people involved. You got people to take pictures and also some uh, other co-authors. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: Right. So, uh, of course, um, I, I tried this initially uh, just like I did with the holding book as as a single-person operation. And I learned really quickly that that wasn't going to work. I'm going to need some help. So, of course, the Lakeland Airport helped with the photos. And then I thought, you know, uh, I'm busy with law school. I should get somebody to help write part of this, maybe a ghostwriter. I'd never used a ghostwriter before. So I called somebody up and said, do you want to ghost write this or some part of it? And he goes, no, but I'll co-write it. And I said, that's great. So I took on a co-author. And then we both got busy. So then we decided to hire a ghostwriter, because <laughs> the two of us couldn't get this done. So we hired a ghostwriter, and then very shortly after that, uh, my co-author got a really great flying opportunity, but he had to bow out of the project in order to go do it. Uh, so he said, you know what? You take the project and, and finish it. I've got to go do this, and um, I'm not going to say what it, his opportunity was, but it was a really, really great opportunity, so I'm glad he was able to go do that. And at that point, I called the ghostwriter up, and I'm like, hey, I need a co-author. You wanna, <laughs> you've, done, you've written half this book. You want to come up to co-author status? And he goes, sure.
1: Cool, and then so that person's now your co-author, and who is that? And so you that's mentioned?
0: George Cruz. Okay, uh, he now works for a uh, legacy carrier, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we'll want to come talk about that in a second.
1: Yeah. yeah so, so talking about the, uh, you know, as far as uh, doing this this whole co-authorship, I mean, why? I mean, that that seems like a really tough thing to do. I mean, to I, find somebody.
0: It really is. I mean, George is just absolutely amazing. Um, He had done some proofreading for me um, earlier in my career when I needed people to proof some of these uh, financial articles. And I had realized how great um, his English language skills were, how well he was at writing and proofing. And so that's why we brought him on as a uh, a ghost writer originally. And I thought, no, 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 he's too good for this. We need him to be a co-author. He needs to make more input on this. I, and he did. There's no way I could have done all that writing or had all these great ideas without him.
1: So you said something about him getting to a legacy. Um, and were you, did you help him at all with that whole process? I, I'd like
0: to think indirectly I did. Um, I mean, he's a very, very qualified pilot and flight instructor. Um, I had met him in our flight instructing days uh, earlier on in Florida. And so um, what happens is he really wanted to go to this large carrier. And he went to one of those career day events where they have five, six, 700 pilots. They're all going to get like 10 seconds with a recruiter. You know, it's, it's, it's really a, a big effort to get noticed in the sea of pilots all, you know, probably wearing black and white suits. And so um, anyways, but he goes to this event. And before he goes to the event, he calls me up and he goes, hey, can I take a draft copy of the book project with me? And I said, yeah, of course you can. And
1: then what happened?
0: So he comes to this career day, and he's holding this draft copy. It's probably about 75% finished. It's enough to show that you know there's a real project here. And he finally gets his, his chance to sit down with one of the recruiters at the desk. And he's talking to them, and they say, well, what else do you do? And he pulls out this book, and they said, that is awesome. We love this. And they, they flip through it, and about two weeks later, he gets a letter in the mail or an email, can't remember
1: which, and said, we want you to come do a real interview. Wow, that's terrific. Just from that, just like anybody who's thinking about writing, some things can come from your writing, not just specifically money from the writing. Right. I mean, you know, he's going to make some
0: money on this book, of course, but that's nothing compared to the opportunity he's getting now. Um,
1: And I would have written this book just to get him the job. That's, you know. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Um, so another thing that you got to do is get you had some great ph- photographers that worked on this book with you. Uh, so let's talk about that. How did you get these photographers to do So something? I
0: had some great ones. I mean the the one that did the ramp photos of being not so good, but oh
1: <laughs> just kidding. So <laughs> that, I, that would be me by the way. I did the photograph for all the, the, the ramp and the and, and what else did I do? Oh, the, uh, the rampers and the marshalling. That's right. Yes, we, so we did, did marshalling. the
0: marshalling section. Um, so, uh, no, actually, I had a lot of great folks. Um, I did a lot of the photo work myself. But in order to get some of these photos, uh, it, was, it was more challenging than you would expect. So, of course, Lakeland Airport was very helpful. Uh, one of their uh, crew members actually drove me around in a truck to take photos as much as we could on taxiways and runways. And then I had a friend with an airplane, a Cessna Cardinal with a camera window. And so we actually ended up uh, shooting a lot of photos out of the window so we could get overhead views of airports. And we'd go to a small airport like Bloomington and Illinois and just say, hey, we'd like to,
1: you know, do a flyby here, snap some photos. And Tara would go, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And so so you went out and took these photos at some of those fields using the Cessna Cardinal, which is a great platform for photos. That's the downside to having a low wing. You know, high wings. I've done a lot of photo work in high wings, and it's a it's a terrific platform. You can also let the the wing, you know, or the window hang open. Um, but one one of the things that's really important, I think, in a guide like this, is to have photos because it shows you exactly what's going to look like when you're out there flying.
0: Right, and that's and that's what we really wanted. So initially, I took photos from the truck, and what ends up happening is I called up another airport. I won't say which airport. And I said, I want to come to Photos. And they said, oh, that'd be great. We'll have you over. It's $1,400. $1,400? They wanted $1,400 in a stack of paperwork. And I said, that's really out of our budget. Can you do anything else? And they said, no. And I said, okay. And uh, the next week, I came back with the Cardinal, landed on one side of the airport, and requested to taxi to the other side, snapping photos all the way across the airport, which is perfectly allowed. Interesting. Public airport. Yeah, sure. Uh, We took off. And as we were flying away, we took some overhead photos. And the two things we learned from this experience was, uh, first, the photos that we took from the cockpit were way more helpful, and the overhead photos look great. So that actually changed the way we were looking at the book and at the photo work. Uh, and so we actually ended up getting a lot better photos out of that. So I'm very appreciative to that airport that declined my my request.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's just like anything else in life. We have a path, we go down, and then some adversity comes up, and it, it opens up a path to something even better, which happened there, which was terrific. Um, as far as the book's concerned, though, Let's talk a little bit about that before we close here. The practical application for this book—what, who's going to use this? So, uh, with the holding book, it
0: was—it was a very small group of people that might uh, really want to read that. Uh, you know, mostly that was for instrument pilots or people having trouble sleeping. So, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to have a little humor with your writing. So, with this book, I said, I want something that is going to be um, helpful to everybody, and so that was um, really what I thought about doing airports is everyone uses airports, whether you're a VFR, whether you're IFR. So it's going to be good for everyone from a private pilot to somebody who's, you know, renewing their CFI uh, because it's just such a great um, opportunity to reference these things. And, and kind of like the, the dummies book I referenced earlier. um, There are a lot of things in airports that I didn't even know before we wrote this book. Uh, A lot of, there were a lot of things I bumped into that I actually didn't understand all the way through and so I think there's always an opportunity to learn, and in this case, it's great because it's very photo-heavy. We said from the beginning that we would not put anything in without a photo, and I, I think we've held to that pretty well.
1: Oh, yeah. I think it's great. I've got to, to see a lot of it. i got to see a lot of photos, obviously, since I took a few of them. Uh, but this really, is this the type of book that you would actually just jump into and read cover to cover? Uh, you could do it either way.
0: Uh, you know, we, we wrote it somewhat cover to cover, but uh, the sections are very independent. They're very broken up. So. Right. Whether you need to know taxi signs, taxi diagrams, uh, approach
1: lighting, whatever it is, you
0: can jump to that section.
1: Right, right. So, well, that's good. Um, before we close, though, I know we want to make sure we have a link, and and there's a possibility this may not be in the stores when we actually uh, publish this, but but they can actually uh, when they check back on this episode, and we'll also have it on the page, a link to the actual book in Amazon. Uh, but you can get updates right here, and you'll have a link, I think, possibly to a webpage. Uh, we're hoping to have the uh, link ready to go. So we just sent the book off to the printing for the last
0: review, okay? And they're just working through the technical glitches. So the material's done. We're just trying to get but the actual But if they want to get
1: other updates, at Three Point Aviation is one of uh, the ways.
0: Yeah, uh, Three Point Aviation or our Facebook page. I think that's sort okay. of the modern way we do things these awesome. days.
1: Awesome, and then yeah, we'll have that links to that too. Um, but uh, anyway, this, this has been great having you on. By the way, what, what other uh, information would you give to somebody that's thinking about writing a book in aviation? Well, you
0: know, I've talked to a lot of folks, and I've tried to encourage some folks to write books. It's, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be a bit time-consuming, but it's absolutely worth doing. It, it's worth your time. You don't have to be an expert at the area. I did not know nearly as much about airports as I did about holding But, you know, myself and the co-author, we did a lot of research, and if you're willing to put in the time and the research and and make the edits and and talk to people, you can really um, learn something new and and come up with a great book. Um, And if you're not, you know, quite ready to do a book, you're saying, well, I'd like to do some writing, but maybe a book's a lot. Um, Articles are great. Uh, LinkedIn now offers features for writing articles. Uh, I know Facebook does. And a lot of uh, journals, especially technical journals, actually have trouble finding material. Um, I have several that, that I write for, and, and um, they're very appreciative for the material because they don't have people uh, taking time to write an article, and it, it takes time. A good thousand-word article takes several hours.
1: Oh, it sure does. I mean, I, uh, you know, especially when I was writing aviation articles online for websites and stuff like that, it would took up most of my time. Now I switched to podcasting, so I don't have time to write. But uh, it really, it, it's challenging, but it's something that. If you write a good article, it can actually live for a long time, and I I still, five years later, will get people calling me back about an article writing me, and that's what's really important and key to this, if you want to become an aviation writer, is to get articles out there. It is. It's been amazing. Uh, The folks have had contact me.
0: Um, I had a consulting firm contact me a few years ago about aircraft fuel, because they'd read one of my articles, and they needed some help figuring out how to price out and purchase aircraft fuel. So that uh, that was really great. And so the, the people I've met with the writing and getting my name out there has just been really helpful as far as uh, promoting a lot of the other things that I do. So if you're looking to do more than just push the throttle for a living, uh, there you know there's a lot of uh, to be said for writing, especially if you want to be an instructor. I know a lot of folks want to be Czech airmen in the airline world, basically the, the airline equivalent of an instructor. And that's uh, that's going to be one of the ways to do it and get your name out there and say, hey, I've done some technical writing and I know how to do this.
1: You know, we've been fortunate enough to speak with a lot of authors here on Aviation Careers Podcast, of course, on the sister show, Stuck Mike Avcast. And uh, one of the things that I think is really important is to get out there and just start writing.
0: You just got to do it. And, uh, you know, if I look back at my early writing, it's not as good as something I would write today, uh, which is good. It means that there's an improvement. Um, But you got to get out there. And a lot of folks are self-conscious. You don't have to be. It's like it's like public speaking. Uh, everyone's nervous about it, uh, but nobody sees how nervous you are. And the great thing about writing, of course, is I can edit all day long, and I do. Um, if you've ever seen the first draft of something I write, it's horrible. It's just absolutely awful. And then by the time we get the refined product, it's so so much better.
1: Yeah, it's so important to get input if you can from others, um, and I, I, that's always been key to any things I've been writing, and I think you'd agree with that. Uh, but Let's talk a little bit before we close as far as how they can get in touch with you and also possibly find uh, some of the more articles and what you're doing online. So mention some of those things. Okay. So uh, right now, actually, I'm doing a lot with uh, LinkedIn,
0: uh, LinkedIn LinkedIn.com, which is a networking site for professionals. If you're in the aviation world, you're looking for a job or you might in the future, LinkedIn is the way to go. It's it's very similar to Facebook but much more professional. Uh, So I encourage everyone to get on. I'm on there. That's one of the ways to, of course, reach me. Um, I'm doing some articles through there, which is great, and I can post them on LinkedIn. Folks can read them, and you can share the link. So sometimes I share those links into Facebook as well. You can also find me on Facebook if you want to do something a little more casual.
1: Yeah, and going back to the LinkedIn, uh, you know, part of our career counseling is uh, creating a LinkedIn profile and doing a, an online uh, presence and doing an online audit, both the Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn, etc. What's interesting is I think a lot of people don't understand how important LinkedIn is. And what I always tell people is that, you know, it's like if you want to find somebody, a date or whatever, a lot of times you go to the bar. Well, this is is like the bar for those people that are in the business of recruiting. The recruiters are all on LinkedIn.
0: They are, and um, I actually have a process myself for networking, on I'll, I'll let you in on the, on the secret of my process.
1: Okay, let's hear the secret. Uh, so
0: I go, to, I go to a lot of uh, aviation law conferences and other events, and I get a lot of business cards, and I think we all have a stack of business cards we don't know what to do with. So I do a couple things. I bring the card back. The first thing I do is I send a thank you email to whoever I met. That tells them you know, that I appreciate meeting them. It reminds me of that that them that they met me, and it creates a link via email both with uh, me now having their email address and them having mine. Then I go into LinkedIn. I don't go to the Facebook, I go to LinkedIn, link in there so they have your information. And then I have a separate program where I actually store contact information and I record all their details, where they're located and I make notes uh, in the notes section about where I met them. And that came in really helpful a few years ago. I I met or I thought I met somebody for the first time and we we met at a conference very briefly and we agreed to have lunch later. And before I went to lunch, I went to put their information in and I realized I had met them two years earlier at the same conference and had completely forgotten. I was able to to remember that before we went out to lunch. And so then we avoided some kind of an embarrassing situation.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great software packages out there to do that. And, uh, you know, it really is amazing using those packages because then you can have a conversation from five years ago. And Uh, uh, just the contact management software out there is amazing.
0: It really is. You can remember where you met them. You can put their birthday. Um, I have one where uh, his son's very important to him. So I have his son's birthday marked down as well. And it also reminds me to ask about the son. So, um, you know, it's very helpful. And you can also put notes and reminders as well.
1: So, and that's one thing that's terrific about these uh, contact managers is that it'll remind you, say, hey, listen, send a, send a note, you know, that type of thing. Been using those for years, and I, and I think that's a key to success is you don't have to have notes anywhere. It's all online. You know, it's a wonderful tool. It's so
0: much easier. Um, that happened earlier this year. I remember there's somebody I wanted to talk to up in Philadelphia, and I couldn't remember his name, but I knew what city it was. So I typed in Philadelphia, and it brought up the, the handful of people I knew, and I'm like, oh, there he is. I do remember that.
1: Yeah, and that's it's wonderful tools, and I really highly recommend it. It's not that expensive, so definitely get a try to get a copy of that. Uh, there's lots of them out there online.
0: Yep, I'm using Insightly.com. That's a good uh, one. I'm actually using their free version, which works great. Mm-hmm. They have premium ones, but uh, the uh, the basic version has been more than enough uh, to cover what I'm doing.
1: So, and then just for another one is Highrise. I use Highrise, and uh, that one's actually they're not uh, updating that one anymore, but uh, there it's not that expensive. You don't need anything too elaborate. Just got to make sure you follow up. That's for sure. That's really, really important. It says a lot when you do that. Well, Chris, this has been great having you on the the podcast again. And, uh, you know, any advice again uh, to some of those people that are listening saying, hey, someday I want to be an author also.
0: If you want to do it, go ahead and do it. Um, Everyone thinks about it and and has this hesitation, and you don't need to have the hesitation. Go ahead and do it. If you don't know how to do it, reach out to myself or um, someone else. I'm sure uh, Rod would also be willing to... um, you know, talk to some folks who are interested in getting into the writing field. Sure.
1: And, and also you can write us feedback at com. either Chris or some of the other authors that we've had on here before. We'll send those questions along and, and, uh, and usually almost all the people on the show will get back to you unless they're Obviously busy writing another book, but I know Chris will. Uh, Also, the links at the bottom of the podcast uh, to all the different courses, like we talked about, the holding patterns guides are there. Um, And also, if you want to be a guest on the show, a lot of people ask me how they can be a guest. There's actually a link there about how to do that.
0: I think Is there a link for going to the beach and taking a week off? uh, Going to the beach and taking a
1: week off, (laughs) we really don't have to spell that out. I know we do for you because you're one of these people that just looks like they're involved in so many different projects, and uh, you're like me, a workaholic.
0: Yeah, at some point
1: here, I'm going to have to stop the online writing, go to the online dating. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let that get in the way of your your writing. But, uh, well, anyway, folks, one of the things that, you know, I think, like, like Chris said, it's really important is that you make sure you just, if you want to get into writing, you want to get into aviation writing, just like some of the other guests we've had on that written, you got to start doing something, doing something online. Uh, and if you're not, it's not getting out there, start your own blog. I mean, and just go from there. I mean, that's how uh, a big part of my aviation writing, I got started with uh, expertaviator.com, and uh, and that's, that actually got me noticed. And then I got noticed by a couple of podcasters and said, Hey, this is what we're going to do for our podcast. And that's actually how I got in the podcasting world. So, uh, you never know which direction it's going to take you. Uh, but the most important thing is that you need to do something. If you want to do, if you want to get into anything, you need to take that first step and do something, do something today. Once you're done listening to this, do something now, like look at some of the links that we have on there. But most importantly, I wanted you to do something today to move forward in your career. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Safe flying. We'll talk to you next episode.